Matthew 26 and verse number 47. Uh, and while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he, hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. And said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword into his place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? In that same hour said Jesus to the multitudes, Are ye come out as against a thief with swords and staves for to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple, and ye laid no hold on me. But all this was done, that the scripture of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Verse number 57, And they that had laid hold on Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. So here we see the arrest of Jesus Christ. This is... Uh, immediately following the Lord's Supper, and then he went into the Garden of Gethsemane and he prayed, uh, prayed to the point of sweat drops of blood came out. Um, but we have to understand that this was not a surprise uh, to Jesus. If we go back uh, in the beginning of Matthew 26, in verse number 1, uh, it says, And it came to pass, when Jesus had finished all these, he said unto his disciples, you know that after two days is the feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. Then assembled together the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people unto the palace of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas, and consulted that they might take Jesus by subtlety and kill him. But they said, Not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar among the people. Now when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of precious ointment, and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. And when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. Then Jesus understood it. He said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, whosoever this gospel shall be, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached, in the whole world, there shall also this, that this woman hath done, be told for a memorial for her. Uh, then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went into the chief priest, and said unto them, What will ye give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they cov covenanted with him for thirty pieces of silver. And from that time he sought an opportunity to betray him. Um, skip down uh, to verse number 21. Uh, they're eating the, the Last Supper. And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful, and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that, for that man if he had not been born. Um... In, uh, so here we see that, that Christ knew. Christ prophesied his own death, his burial. Um, you know, the woman was anointing him for his burial, and uh, he knew that, and he knew who was going to betray him. In Mark 
uh, Mark chapter 14. And we see Mark's uh, version of this. Mark the great physician. Uh, Mark chapter 14 and... We're going to start in... Verse number 17. And in the evening he cometh with the twelve. And as they sat and did eat, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, One of you which eateth with me shall betray me. And they began to be sorrowful, and to say unto him one, one by one, Is it I? And another said, Is it I? And he answered and said unto them, It is one of the twelve that dippeth with me in the dish. The Son of Man indeed goeth, as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Good were it for, for that man if he had never been born. And as they did eat, Jesus took bread and blessed and brake it and gave to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank of it. And he said unto them, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. Verily I say unto you, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine until that day that I drink in, in new, until I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung in him, that he went, they went out into the Mount of Olives. And Jesus saith unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. But after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. But Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will I not. And Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this day, even in this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. But he spake the more vehemently, If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise also said they all. So Christ not only knew that Judas was going to betray him, he not only knew that he died, he was going to die, he knew that all of his disciples were going to run and they were going to scatter. Um, he knew that everybody uh, was going to leave him. But he also knew that this wasn't just for him. Uh, in Matthew 24, we see uh, an interesting passage or an interesting uh, verse from the, from the Lord. This is uh, Christ on the Mount of Olives uh, with his disciples. And uh, in verse number 9, it says, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. You know, Christ is telling his disciples here that the world is going to hate them, that they're going to be delivered. He's prophesying uh, the death that they're going to they're going to die. And you know, Peter uh, tradition has it that he was crucified upside down. You know, James was beheaded. Um, John the Beloved was boiled in oil and exiled on the island of Patmos. Um, they all had excruciating deaths. Uh, in Mark 13, excuse me, and uh, verse number 10, uh, we'll go to verse number 9. Uh, again, this is right before um, his crucifixion. Verse number 9 says, But take heed to yourselves, for they shall deliver you up to councils, and in the synagogues ye shall be beaten, and ye shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them. And the gospel must first be published among all nations, but when they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand what ye shall speak, 
neither do ye premeditate, but whatsoever shall be given you in that hour, that speak ye, for it is not ye that speak, but the Holy Ghost. Now the brother shall betray the brother to death, and the father the son, and the children shall rise up against their parents, and shall cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And there are many more passages like this where, where Christ is saying, if you're going to follow me, uh, you're going to be hated. Uh, the world is not not going to like you. And I had a I had a preacher once tell me that if the world loves your Jesus, you're following the wrong Jesus. Because Christ prophesied that the world would hate him. Um, I had an interesting conversation with a, a man today. Um, he is the treasurer of the Isaac Walton League uh, out here. And uh, he accepted my membership and took my money and was giving me the gate key, the gate combination so I could get in and use the, the grounds. But we got to talking about he wanted me to come to a meeting so that I could meet all the board members, most of whom I already know because I grew up there, uh, out there with my dad. And um, when he finally figured out who my dad was, um, we began to talk and, and I told him that I had moved back here to start a church and and uh, he said that he had named his son after my dad, uh, which is funny to me, but he had. And his son is the director of... Didn't you say like Highland Creek or something? Highland? No, it's Higher Ground Baptist Bible Camp in Alaska. Hmm. Um, but this man that I'm talking to is a Lutheran, and he made the comment, you know, um, at least we have the same Jesus. While I didn't want to get into an argument with him on the phone, um, there is a very distinct possibility that he's not following the same Jesus. Because... You know, the Lutherans follow along the lines of the Catholics and believe that baptism is required for salvation. They believe that uh, you have to live a good life and you have to uh, do all of these things. Uh, so they're, they're, they're twisting. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, if you're not following the Jesus that says, by faith through grace, by grace through faith alone, uh, and you're adding works to it, you're not following the same Jesus. Um, but, like I said, I didn't want to get into that with him on the phone. Um, but I'm glad that now I have a point of talking with him the next time I see him and we can have a conversation. Um, but, so we, we have to understand that not only was Christ being betrayed here, but he was also prophesying our own betrayal and his own disciples' betrayal. Not just their betrayal of him, but their betrayal uh, unto death as they followed him when they were able to return. But we also need to understand that in all of this, Christ was willing to go. And this is probably one of my favorite sets of verses. is John chapter 18. And uh, this just shows the power. We already read in, in Matthew that you know Christ could have at that point called 12 legions of angels. Uh, you know, 12 legions would be about roughly 12,000 angels. Uh, one angel uh, in David's time killed 75,000 men in one day. So, you know, Christ had more than enough uh, angelic power to not have to go to the cross. Uh, but in John chapter 18 and verse number 4, uh, we see his earthly power, and uh, it just astounds me. So, John chapter 18, and uh, we'll just start in verse number 1. It says, When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the brook Cedron, 
where was a garden into which he entered and his disciples. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place, for Jesus oft times resorted thither with his disciples. Judas, then having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus saith unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. Verse number six is just my favorite. It says, As soon then as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. Then asked he them again, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. If therefore you seek me, let these go, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled, which he spake. Of them which thou gavest me have I lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, do it, and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Christ, uh, when they come looking for him, he, he, he says, I am he. And they all stumble backwards and fall because just his words have that power over men. And we know that in the book of Revelation, uh, when he comes back on on his white horse, when he makes his way to the earth again, that he's going to go through the valley of Megiddo and he's going to speak and the armies of the world that, that are going against him are going to fall down dead. Uh, so much so that the blood uh, is going to be bridled deep on the horse. And um, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a lot of blood. Um, but... It's simply going to be through Jesus' word, his spoken word, that is going to uh, destroy the armies of the world. Uh, to the fact that, you know, and even when the uh, the beast and the false prophet, the beast gets thrown into the, or the devil gets thrown into the bottomless pit, Christ doesn't even do it himself. He sends an angel to grab him by the tail and throw him into the bottomless pit uh, to ca be cast into the lake of fire. Um, so we have to understand that in all of this, Jesus was willing. Now, you know, the Jews have been blamed and, and they have been uh, murdered all throughout history for killing Christ. And, and when, uh, was it not Kevin Costner? Uh, Mel Gibson. When Mel Gibson uh, made his movie, The Passion of the Christ, and it's so amazingly graphic and violent, yet doesn't even come close to uh, what actually happened. Uh, or the the amount of violence that actually happened, um, but when that movie premiered worldwide, uh, there were there was a severe uptick in hate crimes against the Jewish race because people think that the Jews killed Christ or they think that the Romans killed Christ and they didn't. Christ gave Himself, and that's that's the important part in all of this. You know, um, He gave Himself willingly as a lamb to the slaughter and uh, that final sacrifice for us um, and in all that, in all of this in all of his distress he had compassion um, back in Matthew 26 um, Christ worries about the littlest things in all of this so Matthew 26 and uh, uh, right around verse number 53 um, you know, we see here, it says, Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? You know, Christ reserved his power. He didn't use his power against those that were coming 
uh, to hurt him. In Luke 22, Luke 22 and verse number 50, this is again, uh, they've just come and taken him and um, and Peter has drawn his sword in, in Luke number 50, chapter 22 and verse number 50 it says and one of them smote the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear and Jesus answered and said suffer ye thus far and he touched his ear and healed him so Jesus in this time of, of great distress he's being arrested he takes the time to reach out and heal the man's ear that Peter had just cut off now it is super interesting to me and I have no idea if it means anything but the fact that he points out that it's his right ear and again I'm not sure what this all means but I haven't studied that but he's very specific that it was his right ear but Christ reaches out and touches this man's ear that's about to arrest him and take him to be crucified knowing full well what's going to happen full well the beating that he's going to take the 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 mocking the the cruelty that's going to befall him and he takes the time to heal that man's ear um john chapter 17 all of john chapter 17 is uh an amazing an amazing chapter it's one very long prayer um the whole prayer is uh, this is Christ in the garden before he's been taken. This is while uh, the disciples are sleeping. Um, he prays for his disciples to be one and, and to be uh, together and to be for God to keep them and for God to send them. But verse number 20 is just amazing to me. And uh, I'm going to start in verse number 19. Um, but when you read verses 19, 20, and 21, you understand a very, very important uh, message. And verse number 19 says, And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Verse number 20, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Verse number 20, Christ is praying for in the garden, the night he's to be taken and crucified, that not only his disciples, not only those apostles, not only those men and women that are following him would be taken care of, but that all those that shall believe on me through their word, now, I don't know about you guys, but I came to know Christ through verses like John 3.16 and the epistle to the Romans, Paul's epistle to the Romans. I came to know Christ through this word, the words that God put in men's heart to pen, in the apostles' hearts to pen. Christ, in verse number 20, is praying for me the night before he is crucified. And he's praying for each and every one of you. And if you take the time to read chapter 17 with the understanding that Christ is praying this prayer for you, 
it is just, it is amazing. Um, you know, he prays that, that he would be glorified, that, that he would bring honor and glory to the Father, that, that everything that he prays, he's praying for us because he wants us to be in him and in God. And he had that compassion, even in this time of, of distress, he had that compassion to, to care for those around him as he's the the men are picking themselves up off the ground after he says i am he he says now you know this is my version he says you know now that you know who i am and now that you've seen my power you're going to take me and you're going to leave all the rest of these alone i'm going to let you take me and it's exactly what he showed those those men that came to take him that night we move on uh from the arrest to the trial um there were Christ had to endure a couple of trials. He had to go from the Jews and be tried, and then to the Romans, and, and you know, it, it is just uh, an amazing back and forth of everything. But but we see that again, he's betrayed. Not now. This time he was betrayed by Judas and sold to the Jews. Now he's going to be after his arrest. He's betrayed by all of his disciples as they all run. And then he's going to be betrayed by Peter, uh, as Peter denies Jesus three times, and, and in in that denial, I mean, we all we all know most of the story, but in that denial, Peter is a picture of us, the modern day Laodicean church, the modern day lukewarm disciple that got their fire insurance and, and is just living their own life and only going to Christ when they absolutely need him. And that's that's the way, unfortunately, uh, most of the world is. And I, I'm putting myself in that. I, I feel like I'm serving the Lord and I'm doing what he asks and I'm walking by faith. But daily, hour by hour, I am betraying him and not following uh, his, his guiding and his directing. Um, you know... This morning, uh, I was following Rachel to work because I had to go work on my truck. And I look up, you know, she's getting on sixty on uh, Highway 30 from 65. And I look up and on the from coming from 30 onto 65 on the ramp is a guy with his hood up. <coughs> and, you know, I can see from about a mile away that this guy's got his hood up. And, you know, he's just sitting there and he's got his head under the hood. And, I, and I, I'm having this conversation in my head. Do I stop? Or do I go? Do I stop? Do I go? Do I stop? Do I go? And it's like, you know, he loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. And, and I'm having this argument in my head of, well, you know, uh, Rachel's going to get worried and she's going to call and she's going to wonder why I didn't follow her. And what if something happens to her and I'm not there? And, and but, but, you know, is this an opportunity? Is this something I can fix? Is this something I, you know, is this guy just waiting to rob me? Is, is, you know, uh, all these things are running through my head and I'm filtering through it. And finally, thankfully, I ended up stopping and, and helping him out. He was, his car was overheating. I ended up, he was on his way to Marshalltown. So we got him going and I followed him to Marshalltown and was able to give him a track and give him Jesse's card. And uh, just, but the point is, I had to have a five minute argument in my head about whether or not I was going to stop and help this guy out, knowing full well that the reason that he was there is so that he could meet me there's nothing special about me but that's that's 
why he was there. And, you know, uh, we have story after story, but the one that sticks in my head the most is we're driving through Tennessee and the wheel tries to fall off on the truck while we're pulling the trailer and is going to jackknife and kill us. And uh, it's, you know, Labor Day weekend and nothing's open. And, and I make a few phone calls and the guy comes to work on my truck. And and I, I just looked at him and I said, you know, God did this because he wanted me to meet you today. And I was able to, to reach out and, and show him the love of God and, and show him how that he can be sure that he was saved. He had, he had gotten saved at a camp or a VBS when he was a teenager, a young teenager, and had not been discipled and not, nobody had followed through and he'd gotten away from the Lord. But, but I was able to show him for sure that he's saved. And, and God put us there in that situation for a reason. And we could have very easily gotten upset. And I wish that I could say with 100% confidence today that if that happened to us today, that I wouldn't be upset, that I would handle it the exact same way as I did. But I can't guarantee that today. I, I just can't. Um, but Peter ran. As Jesus explains... Uh, in all of this, Peter is, is a picture of us. He's, he's a picture of that, that seed and the parable of the seed and the sower, that, uh, the seed that fell on thorny ground. And it, it, the ground is fertile, so it took root and it grew and it began to, to flourish. But then the weeds and the thorns crept up and, and choked it out, the cares of the world. And that's us today. We, you know, we worry about, oh, you know, I'm not going to make rent this month, so I'm going to take that... Wednesday night shift and I'm going to miss church or, or, you know, I'm, I, I got to get up early and I, I just, I need that extra five minutes of sleep and, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to get up and read my Bible. I'm just going to go and, and it'll be fine. It, it'll just be once. And it ends up being day after day after day of you get up and you neglect the Lord and you neglect to pray and, and you neglect to, to seek his face and you just grow farther and farther away and you, you quench the spirit. First Thessalonians uh, 5.19, um, <clears throat> I think is the one that talks about quenching the spirit. You want to read it, honey? Something there. Quench not the spirit. Yeah. That's the one. It's pretty simple. Quench not the spirit. But we do that each and every day. We, we, we quench the Spirit and, and we neglect to follow His leading. And we betray Christ over and over and over again. Thankfully, God knew it was going to happen. God knew that Peter was going to betray Him. God knew the disciples were going to run. God knew that Judas was going to betray Him. And God made a way for all of this to be taken care of. Even, even Judas, you know... Um, people often don't realize that Judas, all he had to do was come by faith and get saved and understand what Christ did on the cross for him. And he could have ended up in heaven. And yet, But instead, he killed himself and is, I have no doubt, uh, languishing in hell right now. But Peter and all the rest of the, the apostles and the disciples came back. You know, Christ, after his resurrection, he met them and, and, and he loved on them. And then he sent them out and he strengthened them. Um, during all of this, 
trial, uh, Pilate comes to the correct verdict. Uh, in Matthew 27, um, you know, the, the Jews are going against him and, and bringing false witnesses and making false accu- accusations and they're twisting things that Christ had said out of context. Um, but, but Pilate comes to the correct verdict in Matthew, Matthew 27. And we're going to start in verse number 19 with Pilate's wife. <sighs> says Matthew 27 verse number 19 says when he was set down on the judgment seat speaking of Pilate his wife sent unto him saying have thou nothing to do with that just man for I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him but the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus uh, in verse 24 and 25 when Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Pilate knew there was nothing in Christ. No, no evil. There, there was no wrong. There was no... Uh, sin in him and yet uh, because he was too scared of the people he went ahead and commanded that Christ be crucified and not just because that he was too scared of the people because God God worked all of this out God lined all this up it's by no mistake that Pilate was in the position that he was in at that point in time because God knew that Pilate would give in to the people and that Christ would be crucified because that's what had to happen that's what had to come about. But um, Pilate knew that there was that he was wrong. He knew that he was not worthy of the punishment that he was being given. Um, and then he was crucified. And uh, according to our timeline, he was crucified about uh, 6 a.m. on today, Wednesday. Um, the, the sun was darkened. Um, I have one here. Um, uh, Jesus is led to Calvary and crucified about 9 a.m. I'm sorry. Uh, darkness covers the land at 12 p.m. on Wednesday. Uh, Jesus gives up the ghost at 3 p.m. and is buried hastily before sunset because of the high Sabbath, uh, the Passover that was getting ready to begin. Um, so, uh, you know, this is this trial is taken from Tuesday night uh, all the way into Wednesday morning. Uh, you know, the 12 hours of the night, and but not only is Christ crucified, he is beaten. Uh, Pilate delivers him to be scourged. And you see the, the scripture there, Matthew 27, uh, verses 27 through 31, Mark 15, verses 16 through 20, and Luke 23, verses 25 through 33. Um, you know, they, they plait the crown of thorns and, and slam it into his head, and the blood runs down, and, and you know, they, they whip him and beat him and put the, the purple robe on him and then rip the robe off and, and rip all those wounds open again. And 
They grab chunks of hair out of his beard and pull pieces of his face off. Um, when they rip the, the pieces of hair out, they spit on him and, and they, they beat him. Um, this is not a man that was just crucified. This was a man that was beaten to a pulp for us. When you read during his trial, you know, Christ didn't say much for himself. He didn't argue uh, the charges against him. He didn't, he didn't, uh, you know, he, he let Pilate come to the conclusion that he was the son of God. But he didn't, he didn't defend himself. He just accepted it. Yeah. And he's crucified and he's there dying on the cross. And, and in that, he has that compassion and distress again. Um understanding that that they had no power to crucify him he gave himself up willingly he tells Pilate uh, in Matthew 27 verses 51 I think 51 54 oh no sorry uh, sorry Matthew 26 verse 53 I skipped ahead 27 is important but uh, 26 53 you know, we go back to, Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels. Um, in John 19, uh, John 19 is his conversation with Pilate. And John 19, and verses 10 and 11, um, then saith Pilate unto him, Speak thou not unto me, knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee and have power to release thee? And Jesus says, Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. And verse number 12, And from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. Pilate, Christ says, you don't have the power to crucify me. God gave you the power that you have. And Pilate understood that enough that it scared him, and he did not want to have anything to do with crucifying Christ. Um, Romans 5.8 uh, should be a very familiar verse for us. Um, five eight, Romans 5.8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, we, everyone there, everyone here is a sinner. Somebody that, that has failed God over and over again, that has not lived up to his expectations, that's been disobedient and idolatrous, and, and, and uh, the worst of the worst. If, if we had done even a third of the things to each other that we've done to God today, we'd hate each other forever and wouldn't talk to each other. And yet God loved us anyway and sent his son for us. Matthew, Back to Matthew 27. Um, this is so important. And it, this is God the Father um, giving us giving us access. Matthew 27, verses 51 through 54. I guess we'll start in verse 50. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, 
and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves, and after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching, Jesus saw the earthquake, and those <clears throat> those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly this was the Son of God. The veil of the temple, the, the veil inside the temple that, that separated the holy place from the holiest of the holiest place. Uh, this place that separated where the Ark of the Covenant was, the, the place that the high priest went in once a year and sprinkled the, the sacrifice, uh, and only the high priest, after he could be after he had been cleansed, could enter. He had to wear uh, bells on his robe so that the people outside knew that if the bells stopped ringing, they had to pull the rope around his waist to drag him out because he wasn't worthy in front of God and he'd been smitten to death. That veil was was ripped. That veil was torn in two. And now, because of that, because of Christ's death, we have the ability to go directly to God, just like we did tonight, and seek for His help and His care and, and His his answers to our prayers we have the the ability to go boldly before the throne of grace and and be a part of the father's life this is it's just it's amazing and this all happened a little over 2000 years ago today and sunday we're going to celebrate the resurrection and we are going to celebrate and we're going to praise the Lord that not only did he die and was crucified for us, but that he rose again and Amen. conquered death and hell. Yeah. But the majority of the world is going to go out and they're going to celebrate a bunny that lays eggs. Yeah. <laughs> and, and think that they're doing something great because they're doing something great for God. There are Baptist churches all over this country that are having Easter egg hunts that, that are buying into this idolatrous worship and not following the one true God there's something different when you really focus on what the scripture has to say and I, I don't have all the answers and uh, I wish that I uh, was better versed and I'm going to do my best as I a pastor and as we start this church to be better versed in all of this stuff. But um, I know that I, I fail each and every day. But I know that my God loves me and he has forgiven me of all of my sins, past, present, and future. And I know that the Bible tells me that I can know that and it's by grace through faith and faith alone and uh, I'm so very thankful for that today um, and I pray that as we go through the rest of the week um, if you I forgot to put it on the prayer list but if you would keep um, Grace and Truth Baptist Church in Pleasant Hill Missouri in your prayers there are men right now uh, they should be just finishing up their evening service at the tomb uh, that they've built. And there are men right now that are standing guard in Roman uniforms outside of a tomb giving that picture of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection 
Uh, and then on Sunday morning, about midnight, they're going to roll the stone away. The guards will go away, and they will have a sunrise service out there in front of an empty tomb. But there are men out there tonight that are hazarding themselves, uh, revealing their belief to the community. And I just I pray that it goes like it has every other year, and there's not any troublemakers, that it's just uh, a wonderful experience. But um, there's something special about it. And uh, I just pray for those men for their safety. I pray for the weather. I pray that they would have boldness and uh, be able to witness. And lives would be changed today. And Christ still has the power to change lives. He, he never lost that power. And uh, we can have that power too um, if we take to heart uh, what he's done for us and uh, let it shape